podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Are you all ready for the men's ashes? After our three-part Memories of the Ashes series with Rick McCosker, Dennis Amis and Richard Ellison, Joining us on today's show is our regular cricketing pundit, Roland Butcher, the former England international. I caught up with Roland in Nottingham after day three of the county championship match between Nottinghamshire and Warwickshire to preview the most anticipated Ashes Test Series on home soil since 2005. Welcome back to the paddock and the pavilion, Roland, to preview the much-anticipated Ashes series. How are you? Yes, Stephen, I'm fine and it's a great pleasure to be back with you um, and obviously back in sunny UK. Yeah, well, since we last spoke, you've been jetting all over the place. You've been all over the Caribbean, you've been to Jersey and now you're in sunny sunny Nottingham. Yeah, it's been a busy period for me, really, from the start of the year. I think from really the 1st of January, it's been lots of travel on the road all the time. Um, I'm here for a short while. Yeah, I did spend a week last week in Jersey with the ACC Women's um, World Cup qualifiers. And yes, I'm in Nottingham right now um, at Trent Bridge doing the Knots Workshire game. You've got Caribbean weather at the moment. Oh, the weather's been superb. Um, even though yesterday around five o'clock there was a lot of bad weather, I think generally um, the the Early part of yesterday, right up to five o'clock, was great. Today was unbelievable. Just um, middle of a heat wave right now, and long may it continue. Hard work for the bowlers today, then. Yes, it was. Um, I think the Warwickshire side, obviously, because of the huge first inning score they got, um, were able to exert a lot of pressure. They'd taken five wickets yesterday, so. They bowl well today to get the other five. Um, it's been much harder in the second innings. Um, and I think they finished 260 odd for five or four. So, you know, there's a bit of a fight back coming from from Knots. There's still probably 150 runs um, in arrears, but tomorrow could be an interesting day. Have you seen any future England players playing in the game? Well, I think Sam Haynes has been on the, the radar for a long time. Um, Got another good hundred, so he definitely, obviously, is a is somebody for the future. Um, most of the other people are people that I guess have been around. Danny Briggs, Danny Briggs has been around for a while, etc. But he and is probably one who hasn't had an opportunity yet. That you know, I believe when he does get an opportunity, hope it's sooner rather than later that you know he should do quite well. And just going back to the women's. World Cup qualifiers. How did you find that in Jersey? Well, it was apart from the weather, it was quite enjoyable, actually. I think, you know, obviously the women's game now has been boosted with what's been happening with the 100 and the various different competitions around the world, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's a game on the up. And some of the most unlikely countries are making big steps in that area. I mean, Turkey, for the very first time, um, had a team in the World Cup that they played. Obviously, this is the first time they've ever played. Um, really keen. And these qualifiers were actually won by France. Um, 
you know. So it tells you that it's being taken very seriously. And at times there was some pretty good cricket. Yeah, I thought I'd mention it because one of um, uh, quite a regular guest on this podcast, Tina Goff from Germany, did very well for them. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, um, you know, Christina Goff was the outstanding player in the tournament, really. And the one game that she failed is what stopped Germany from getting from qualifying. I mean, she, all the other games, you know, she scored her centuries in every game, not out. Um, you know, she was the class batter in the, in the setup. Germany really should have qualified. I mean, the the blue, you know, that last game really. Um, that's the only game that she failed, and and they lost to France, which allowed France to qualify. Well, let's talk about the Ashes. Uh, who are the best prepared team? England, who've just won a ten wicket victory against Ireland, or Australia, who've had a tough World Championship Test final against India. Well, one thing I can tell you, um, Stephen, is that Australia will not come here underprepared. There's no question about that. You know, they would have been preparing for this series since last year. Even though the, the World Test Championship came before the, the Ashes series, that really was a bit of an interruption. But they would have been planning for the series since last year. So I don't believe that they will come into the series undercooked in any way. Um, if you notice, a number of their players have been playing in England um, at the start of the season just for that as part of their preparation. People like Smith and Labishan and Nessa, you know, those are guys who are, you know, playing to get themselves ready for a titanic battle. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting. Australia will not be underprepared. They will be very well prepared because they know the importance of, of this particular series. They, you saw their intent against India, um, where they completely outplayed India. You know, to outplay India, you've got to play pretty well. They were far superior than India in that test match. They won that easily. Um, we'll go into this one with a lot of confidence. Certainly Travis Head and Steve Smith look in very good form. Yeah, I mean, um, those two have been in good form, not just on this tour, but, you know, Travis Head had a very good winter. Um, also Smith, we know what Labashan has been doing over the last couple of years. Um, the only one really to get in form now is David Warner. Kouage has been in good form the last year. He's been their top batsman, really, in the last year. So one is the one that they need to get into form. And, you know, they're, they're well prepared. And do you think England's 10-wicket win will have still helped them get ready for the Test Series? Well, it would. Um, I think they would have probably preferred to be, um, want to be pushed a little bit harder um, by Ireland, which they did in the second innings. But um, I don't think it was a... A difficult exercise for England, you know, to, to, to beat Ireland in that test match. Perhaps they would have needed some tougher um, opposition. Um, so, you know, but it is what it is. That's all they had to, to play. There was nothing else for them to play, but they played and won it well. So they will have confidence as well. But they will know that it will be a totally different challenge when the Ashes start. I'd like to talk about some of the topical issues. I know you're a big fan of Moen Ali. Were you? pleased when he was asked to come back in the team following uh, Jack Leach's stress fracture? Pleased for Moen Ali, but it throws up a lot of questions really in the game that is someone like Moen Ali who really doesn't want to play test cricket anymore, uh, has retired from the game, 
and you have to go back to Moinali, it really tells you that there's a dearth of spinners um, in the county championship and in England in general. And that has to be a worry because, you know, if Moinali gets an injury in the first test, um, then what? So really, it, it throws up more questions and answers. And um, the biggest question is that it shows that in the spin department, um, that's an area that England are really struggling. Very sad for uh, Jack Leeds because he played all 13 of the uh, McCullum-Stokes uh, test matches. Yeah, I mean, he's unfortunate. You know, he's started to come into his own of late. Um, you know, he struggled for a long time. He's had some good results. The last few games, he probably would have felt that he's more comfortable now at test cricket. And, you know, he's got this injury though. So, but as we know, it's part of the game and, you know, he's got to work through that and fight his way back. You definitely think that Moen Ali will play. They won't play five seamers. Well, I guess when they get to the ground and they see the conditions, they will then decide whether um, to play, you know, five seamers. But I think it gives the team more balance if you've got a spin bowler. Um, you know, Moen Ali's lower order batting also would be an asset to the team as well. Um, because, you know, against Australia, you're going to need lower order runs. You know, they're, you're not just going to, your top half is not just going to score heavily against them. There's going to be times where you're going to require your bottom half, you know, to pull you out of the out of the mire. So, yeah, I mean, he could be a key player. I mean, he looks a perfect fit for this baseball style of cricket. Well, I mean, that's that's something that's going to come into question. Um, everybody's talking about this baseball, but um, the question is going to be whether England can impose that sort of game on Australia. Um, I guess the jury's out at the moment. They may try to. Um, whether they're going to be successful, none of us knows. We know that they've been successful against other teams, but no, none of the other teams have presented the sort of challenge that Australia will present. So we'll have to wait and see. I think Australia will also be asking themselves, you know, can they come back this type of um, play by England? I'm sure they would have planned for it. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking forward to the series. What did you think to the decision of replacing Ben Folkes as wicketkeeper? Understandable. Um, you know, when you've got a player available who scored six test centuries last year, um, you know, that is quite unbelievable. I mean, how many of the players in the England team have done that in one year? So, you know, his form suggests that if fit and ready and match ready, that he would naturally return to the team. Now, that makes it very unfortunate for Ben folks who has been phenomenal for England. and He, he has not disgraced himself or the team in any way. You know, he's performed well behind the stumps and with a bat. Um, he finds himself very, very unlucky, but um, it also shows, you know, the strength um, in the England team, which you need a good, strong bench. And to have someone like him on the bench, I mean, that argues well for the for the future. And Ben Stokes' knee, is that a, a serious worry for the balance of the side? Although on TV tonight, you did see him bowling. Well, that is a big worry. Um, it's okay bowling five or six overs, but if the Australian batters really get stuck in and you've got to bowl more, then 
you know, that's the real test as to whether his knee can stand up to bowling the sort of overs that he may need to bowl. Um, that's a question mark, I guess, that will need to be answered. And we'll see as the test match and test matches unfold uh, whether he's able to play that part with the ball that the team would like him to play. You mentioned a, a couple of minutes earlier about Basball. Steve, Steve Waugh has said, what's England's plan B if it doesn't work? Well, I don't think at this stage in time, the way England plays, um, I don't think there's a plan B. I think they will play that way. They will try to impose themselves on Australia and believe that that's the best way of um, beating Australia. The question would be whether Australia is able to cope with that type of play. It would be new, something new that not many teams have really gone at Australia in that fashion. So it would be new to them. So it would be interesting to see how they react to it as well. I don't feel that if England fail in the first Test match playing that way, that they will abandon that strategy um, for the second Test. Um, I just feel they will believe that maybe they, they were on the wrong end of a result. But I think they will still believe in the process and come the second Test, try to impose themselves the same way. Because the Australians have got a high-quality pace attack and they've also got an off spinner with nearly 500 test wickets they have but they have, they have never ever been present presented with these type of um, situations um you know there will never be australia never played a test match where players are uh, ramping or coming down the wickets or that type of thing so this is new uh, reverse sweeping and all sorts of stuff so you know, they've got to find out something about themselves as well. Um, you know, England have identified the style of playing. Uh, I'm sure they will stick with that. The question will be whether Australia can cope with it. And if they do, will England change their strategy? Or will they continue in the same vein? So it makes really for interesting cricket. It's certainly going to be exciting. Do you think the England uh, bowling attack can get 20 wickets? on flat pitches? I think the England bowling attack um, would be a lot better if they had a fit Joe for Archer and, and a fit Mark Wood. I'm not sure the fitness status of Wood, whether he will play, um, but you know, a fit Mark Wood and a fit Joe for Archer. And then if you add in the others, Anderson Broad, and then you bring in Robinson, um, Potts, and um, Tom as well, you know, and then obviously you've got Chris Watts in the background. It gives you a good, it gives you some good options. Um, with no Archer, and if Wood is not there, then you know the bowling is a little bit thinner. And uh, depending on the summer, if it's a dry summer and the pitches are really good, and you know these are Australia bat batters, um, you know they've got histories of scoring big runs. If you know, if the pitches are really batting-friendly, um, yeah, the, the attack could be exposed. Who do you think, then, are the key players of the series? Well, on both sides, I mean, if I look at the England side, obviously key players will be Joe Root, as usual. Um, you know, the most experienced batter. Um, obviously, Ben Stokes, those are two key players. Um, also, David um, Johnny Bairstow, simply because of his form last year. Um, you know, Crawley, Pope, 
all good players, but at the same time, I don't think they will present the same sort of um, fear as or trepidation that um, a Ben Stokes or Joe Root. I think Australia will definitely be targeting Joe Root and Stokes because they will feel that if you know if they can knock them over, you know the house will crumble. So those are those are key key players, and uh, and then bowling wise, obviously, you know, if Anderson can hit his straps, uh, if Mark Wood plays, you know, he would be a key um, bowler as well. Uh, Robinson definitely, if he plays, um, his bowling will be an asset. From Australia's point of view, then really, it, you know, they've they've got some good match winners. I mean, in Smith and Labashan, they've got some. You know, two top players um, in the bowling department. If they get it right, you know, start. If it's a fit, Hazelwood, um, you know, bowling is doing well. Um, you know, so they they have got some key players as well. And of course, if there's any um, spin available, then they got the best off spin in the world in Nathan Lyon. So they've got some key uh, match winners, perhaps more match winners than than England have. A lot of matches to play in a very short period of time that could have an effect. Injuries and lack of, you know, lack of form and things like that. Yeah, you've got. To, you're going to have to be fit. I mean, they're going to have to find a way. Both teams to um, to keep the the squads refreshed. Um, I guess England may be in a better position in that. Obviously, the series is being played in in England, so they will have access to more players. Australia may be limited to the squad that they've brought. Maybe one or two players might be playing kind of cricket that. If anything goes drastically wrong, they can call upon them. But at the same time, I think managing the fitness of the players on both teams is going to be crucial. And the surfaces as well that you play on will also dictate um, how fit those players remain. A lot of pressure on Pat Cummins to play you know, six test matches, including the, the World Championship final in a very short period of time. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Australia will rotate their bowlers. They've got a good um, crop of, uh, of bowlers. Um, they'll be hoping, obviously, that Hazelwood is fit because then that creates more options. They can then rotate the bowlers. They will need to because, um, you know, five test matches on top of the World Test Championship, that's a lot of test matches in a short space of time. Um, there's also going to be a lot of pressure attached to the, to the series. So, you know, that help drains the energy from your body. So they will be looking to try and keep their bowlers as fresh as possible. And I would be very surprised to find that any of those fast bowlers play all the matches. Do you think this is the the most exciting series since 2005? I think from an English point of view, yes. Um, you know, they will want to erase the, the last Ashes series in Australia where they were were thumped really it wasn't just a beating I mean it was a severe beating I think Australia would try to remind them of that um, albeit this is a different England team right now who are at the moment in the last year um, have changed the whole face of test cricket and taken it to a different level so um, they're in a much better position to challenge Australia this this time round but I think they'll also be wary that um, it will not be an easy challenge Remember, you can follow The Paddock and The Pavilion on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Pad and Pav. Your prediction in late March was two each. Is, has that changed? Or? I'm still 
sticking with the 2-2. Um, I know these days it is less likely to lose a lot of time through weather, but I'm going to stick with 2-2. And if I were to change um, my thinking, um, I would go 3-2 to one of the teams. I, I can't say which one right now. But depending on the start of the series, then that prediction can be made. But I'm still sticking with 2-2. But whatever happens, Ben Stokes says he's going to entertain, so it should be a very exciting summer. It is, but if you entertain and lose 5-0, then that's um, not too great. So the entertainment factor is important, but it has to be tempered with common sense as well. You're sounding like Glenn McGrath there, saying (laughs) 5-0. Well, if you play badly, it could easily be that. Well, thank you very much, uh, Roland, for uh, previewing the Ashes uh, Test Series, which starts on Friday the 16th of June. And hopefully you'll be back to uh, to find out whether your prediction of two all was correct. Yes, even that, that yeah, I certainly you know, enjoy being on the show. And hopefully, Roland, you'll be back um, to find out whether your 2-2 prediction is right sometime in August. Yes, so I'll be happy to, to do that, as particularly if my prediction is correct. Um, I will be back certainly to do that. I hope you all enjoyed our three-part Memories of the Ashes series. Do go back to the Paddock and the Pavilion archive to listen to Rick McCosker, Dennis Amis and Richard Ellison. Coming soon to get you ready for the Women's Ashes, we have two exciting shows lined up. Firstly, former England Test Centurion Catherine Leng will be joining us to look back at her memories of the Ashes, while Rosa Simpkin of Rosa Talks Ball will team up with Catherine to preview the Women's Ashes series, which gets underway on Thursday the 22nd of June. And in our final Ashes podcast, Australian journalist Nick Richardson joined me to chat about the beginnings of women's cricket between England and Australia in the 1930s. Sports Social Podcast Network.